0: Dickinson and welcome to Stand Tall, my podcast show. I look forward to sharing interviews and talks with and about people that create change, make an incredible difference and walk their talk. Everyone has their story, so stay with me as I curate the layers of excellence in all walks of life. My next guest is Philip Hinchelwood highly respected retired police officer and well-known martial artist. Phil's training has included high-level security courses run by elite U.S. agencies and was weapons and defensive tactics instructor and tactical teams instructor and operative at the New South Wales Police Academy and various commands throughout the state. Phil is a highly competent and skilled instructor both with and without a firearm and highly respected in the policing circles. After many years of martial arts training, in 1988, Phil headed to Japan and has since become an authority in the classical Japanese martial art of Yagyu Shingan Ryu Heihōjutsu under his teacher Shimazu Kenji. The traditional Japanese gunnery school of Shige Ryu is also taught at, by him at Ganada and in Sydney by Dr. Andrew Melito, and is the only one of its kind outside of Japan. A modern-day warrior that does not need to prove himself. His calm demeanor and easygoing attitude mask his deadly efficient
1: skills as a martial artist. Welcome, Phil. Uh, thank you, Andy, and good morning. Where are you currently based, mate? Gunnada, uh, northwestern New South Wales.
0: That's kind of the that's the area that you're very used to, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, this is my uh, hometown, Gundagai, and. Uh... I lived away from here during my career, of course, and, uh, but uh, when I uh, retired, I moved back. So where is Gunnedah in relation to New South Wales? It's just, just from overseas. this is Okay. Uh, Gunnedah is situated about uh, 500 kilometres northwest of Sydney. Uh, we're west of the Great Dividing Range, and uh, if you go due east of here, you'd end up at uh, southwest rocks oh, okay. on, on yeah. the coast. And what's the population? Uh, I think we're running around about 9,000 at the moment. Just the way you like it, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Mm. And how's the lockdown going for you? Uh, it's not a problem. Uh, we're an isolated area anyway and, uh, uh, you know, a long way from all that uh, that sort of trouble but it has it has been out this way of course but uh, everything's under control and everyone's doing the right thing so yeah everything's fine mate i think that the whole uh,
0: concept of the lockdown for people like yourself the discipline involved on a daily basis be
1: would be business as usual wouldn't it yeah well uh you know uh, uh i'm in my 60s now and um uh yeah, business as usual. You know, I've got my dojo in my backyard, uh, which keeps me occupied. And uh, I'm just yeah, thinking, just
0: thinking, Phil. Can you recall when we first met?
1: Oh, geez, Andy. Look, um,
0: I have uh, a feeling it was around the beginning of '92, '93,
1: at a coaching course. Was that at uh, uh, at uh, around Panani or East Hills? I think so. I'd known about yeah. for a long time. I'd, I'd heard about your.
0: Your incredible demonstrations at various martial arts <laughs> tournaments, and I was itching to
1: meet you. Oh, right. okay, yeah. Well, I think I think it was uh, it would have been one of the early seminars that we held in Sydney when we brought Shimazu Sensei out from Japan. Would that have been right? That sounds about right. Yeah, in but the I, I do I do recall, uh, and I, I knew of you by reputation, of course. Uh, but that, I think that was the first time we'd, uh, we'd met and uh, we clicked.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And you have certainly paved a fascinating path as a martial arts and a policeman since then. What came first, the police work or the martial arts?
1: Uh, martial arts came first, mate. Uh, I, uh, I commenced in 1971 out of a police boys club and... Uh, uh, it uh, it was jiu-jitsu, uh, but it wasn't the uh, traditional jiu-jitsu back then. It was fairly rare, as you'd imagine, and basically our jiu-jitsu curriculum there was a, a mix of judo and karate with self-defence. So... Um, Who was
0: your instructor back
1: then? I beg your pardon?
0: Who was your instructor back then?
1: Uh, Ted Strongmeyer. Ted was a... Uh, uh, a fifth darn back then, which was as scarce as hen's tooth. He was a real gentleman, Ted. Uh, He passed away in 2011 Uh, and I proudly display his uh, photograph in our dojo to this day. So uh, Ted had a couple of assistants that would help him in the dojo, a couple of other black belts. And, uh, yeah, so it was an interesting curriculum of – Judo and karate mixed in with some self defence. One that probably served you quite well as you proceeded to your new career. Yeah, yes, it did. It did. There was um, there was certainly um, some good stuff in it for sure.
0: Was it was it always did it always kind of eat in the back of your mind that you wanted to find something more traditional and more with more
1: kind of connections to the source. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened because uh, my mum and dad went to Japan for a holiday in the, in the mid-70s and uh, I asked my dad to uh, try and bring me back a book on, uh, on Japanese jujitsu, jitsu and uh, he couldn't find anything uh, but he did pick up a book <laughs> that uh, basically changed my life and that was a, a book called Classical jiu by Don Drager. Oh, the classic yeah, and uh anyway, when I read that, I had trouble understanding a lot of it, and uh the more I read, the more I researched and asked questions, et cetera, the more I began to understand about the uh you know the traditional classical martial arts of Japan, and that was my that was my aim from then on to uh try and get to Japan and do it that way.
0: Then you had a, uh, I believe you are a student of Sonny I- Iguchi.
1: Yes, that's correct. And it was, uh, I became a student of Iguchi-sensei in uh, 1978. And uh, it was through him that I met uh, Shimazu-sensei uh, in, uh, in Tokyo.
0: Iguchi-sensei was quite a character, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yeah, yes. He was uh, a real character. An interesting man.
0: I remember seeing his, his son, I can't remember his son's name now, but he Kai. was Kai. Kai was captain of um, the first 15 and school captain of Trinity Grammar, mm. where my son Tom went to. And uh, Kai's father was always there watching the football. And I, I, I always remembered him seeing him do demonstrations at his dojo in Penania. And And it's amazing what just lurks between the surface of the people, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yep, that's for sure.
0: Do you still, you're still in
1: contact with him? I haven't spoken with Akiuchi uh, Sensei for quite a number of years now. I, I, I don't even know where he'd be today. One thing's for sure, they say you never, never forget your first instructor or your second instructor, do you? No, no, that's for sure. Yep. Phil, can you
0: recall why you entered the police force?
1: Um, look, I, I joined the police force in uh, 1982 uh, it was something that i I'd, I'd wanted to do for a number of years, uh, but prior to uh, me joining the police force I was a um, I was a sheriff and during that during that uh, part of my career as a sheriff, I was based at uh, various locations Parramatta, Fairfield Penrith, Tamworth, Canneval, King's Cross, and eventually Gunnada. Oh. And it was from Gunnada, where I joined the police force. I transferred from the Sheriff's uh, Department to the Police Department. And um, so um, most of my police service has been out west out this way, you know, various places such as Moree, Gunnedah, Baladakabar, Narrabri, Bogabri. I, I really enjoyed my time as a police officer out in the bush and probably Probably the best part of my career out here as a police officer was when I was stationed in a, in a little one-man police station about uh, 50 kilometres out of Moree, and uh, that's, I think, where I really learned to be a police officer.
0: Can you expand on that
1: a little bit more, Phil? I'm, I'm sure you've got some fascinating experiences. Well, Andy, I, I was in that one-man police station for eight years. It was an isolated area, of course, and... Um, uh, a, quite a, a large Aboriginal population um, and um, I think uh, being on your own all the time, uh, you really learnt how to uh, you know, communicate with people and, um, and communicate in, in the right manner because sometimes your mouth could uh, get you into trouble if you weren't careful. So, um, sure. so yeah, that was great. It was a great way of life and, uh, and really enjoyed the work out there. So, You
0: uh, find that you were um, put to the test and,
1: uh, emotionally and physically on a number of occasions? Yeah, yeah, that, that was, that's correct. Yeah, that happened quite a fair bit. Uh, um, the other places I served, I did serve in Sydney, you know, uh, for a number of years at uh, Penrith and Parramatta and Blacktown and also served at the New South Wales Police Academy at Golden for a couple of years where I taught down there.
0: While you were at Goulburn teaching, were you also teaching um,
1: self-defence tactics as well? And um... Yeah, that was my, my main role at the Police Academy was teaching, the police uh, weapons and uh, defensive tactics. Uh, I even had a Yagu Shingunru Dojo there.
0: Did you find that um, when you when you were teaching the weapons and um, the unarmed self defence that you you could relate directly to the techniques that you'd already learned along the way, or did you have to follow a secret
1: by the police? Yeah, look, we were we were strictly teaching uh, police style, not uh, not Yagi Shingunru or jitsu style. Um, it was very frustrating because uh, a lot of the techniques that we were teaching, you know, especially the unarmed techniques, uh, um, you know, they they just weren't quite right. You know, they they needed a lot of different approach. You know, and uh, and that that approach was jujitsu, of course, and uh, but you weren't allowed to do it. But. Uh, uh, Many times during classes, at the end of the class, we had you know maybe ten minutes to spare or whatever, and and I'd show some uh, some torite, you know, arrest and capture type techniques of jujitsu, and uh, uh, that became very popular with the trainees down there um, during their uh, their stay there, and um, uh, a lot of them would come to me uh, after hours to uh, to learn this sort of stuff, and there was some of the even some of the instructors down there came and studied with me as well.
0: This was well before the the current Brazilian jiu jitsu that we often hear about
1: uh, under the main genre of jiu jitsu. Yeah, often... uh, uh, cu- uh, quite different to uh, the Brazilian jiu jitsu, you know, the sports, the sporting side of it. This was uh, uh, this was stuff that. Um, Put it this way, the last place you want to be uh, as a police officer in a bad situation is on your back on the ground or on your belly on the ground wrestling around with someone you need to be able to escape you know because normally you've got uh, more than one uh, one bag guy you know you could be at a pub brawl or anything like that you know and so the um, jiu Jitsu style. Uh, that we practice is, uh, is very smart.
0: And I I must put a, a caveat in here for our, our Brazilian jiu-jitsu brothers and sisters that are listening that mm. their system of martial arts is a wonderful system of martial arts mm. and, and it's applicable in certain situations. Like any martial art, it, it has its pros and its cons.
1: Mm. Yeah yeah it's a, it's a,
0: it's a, it's a great a, system of martial arts
1: yes yeah and, and and far more popular than the stuff that uh, that we do you know uh, when I say we uh, my school you know yeah yeah
0: absolutely and you would have found um, these arrest and uh, control techniques would have been your real backup when you had to run your own one-man police station, and I remember thinking about, I knew you at that time, I had nothing but the highest respect for you back then, mate. I beg your pardon, Andy? I had nothing but the highest respect
1: for you back oh. then. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. Oh, no, it, uh, look, the uh, torite uh, or the arresting techniques of Yagyu Shingunru that I was taught by my teacher, you know, they were uh, very simple and effective, But you've got to remember also that uh, if someone's uh, souped up on some chemical, um, many of these things uh, won't work for you because, uh, you know, they just don't feel the pain or things like that. But uh, there was always uh, one particular technique uh, that always worked for me and and, uh, if I had to do that, I did so, but it was totally against police policy.
0: That was the one that you pull the fingers back at a nasty angle, isn't it? No.
1: <laughs> no, no, that was... Uh, no, that was... Uh, uh, the the one that uh, I always relied on was Shime. Yeah, you'll have the... Um
0: Probably very similar next to what I've done, but
1: I'd have to see it to really understand what you're doing. Oh right, okay, yeah. But it uh, it was it it was totally against police uh, policy, anyway. You know, to do that particular thing that I did.
0: <laughs> but you know, one thing about you, Phil, you've
1: always tested the the boundaries of everything you've done, and uh, I'm well, sure I was, I was confident with it, Andy, because it, it always worked for me and. The other thing was that you know, uh, I study uh, katsu with Shimazu Sensei, and uh, you, you've got to have uh, you've got to have some knowledge of uh, you know uh, resuscitation. You know,
0: uh, uh, anything above the shoulders with police work it was generally uh, it was like, outlawed. So it shima was the
1: the choke moves and the exactly. Mm. Yeah, very, very, very valuable, but very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because you don't know, uh, you don't know uh, what ailments the uh, the subjects carrying. You know, you yeah.
0: And also, you they're not taught to tap out, so
1: no, they're just going to sleep in your arms. Yeah, they do. So you, you've got to know, you've got to know how to control it, when to release it, <laughs> and make sure they 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 recover properly.
0: So there's a big difference to what you learn in the dojo and
1: what you could use on the street. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, as a police officer, you know you're uh, uh, you've got a duty of care to the person that comes into your custody, right? It's uh, very different to being a soldier. You know, a soldier's job is to go out there and kill the enemy, <laughs> but a uh, police officer's job is to go out and uh, protect. Uh, arrest and put the person before the court. So um, uh, police-style self-defence is very different to uh, military-style.
0: I suppose in this day and age they've got things like tasers as well and, um, and battens, which you, I, I believe they're kind of a, a, a recent introduction to police work. Were they there in your time?
1: Look, when I first joined... Uh, uh, all we were given when we walked out of the police academy was a was a six shot revolver with six spare rounds, a pair of handcuffs and a a little rubber batten about uh, or oh, eight inches long and uh, yeah that was a great little that was a great little tool that little rubber batten, especially in clothes and um, but uh, but back then we didn 't have the we didn't have the uh, Rules or policy of uh, of where you could hit someone, or you know, with these types of weapons and stuff like that, you know, and um, uh, and things have changed a lot over the years, you know, where you've you've got uh, primary strike areas, you've got secondary strike areas, and you've got non-strike areas.
0: You also had a stint with the Special Weapons and Operations Group, didn't
1: you? Yeah, I. Um, I undertook the the original long baton instructors course in 1987, and uh, and we were told uh, then that in the not too distant future they would be uh, uh, implementing uh, weapon instructors into the police force for the various uh, divisions and commands around the around the state. And then in 1990, I joined the Special Weapons and Operations Squad as an operative. And uh, as a result of that, I completed the uh, Police Weapons and Defence Tactics Instructors course in 1992. And then um, in 1993... I was um, selected to undertake the tactical team instructors course at the uh, Singleton Army Base. So uh, that was a that was a really really good tough course, and um, twenty of us participated participated in that course, and um, quite proud to say, mate, I took first place in the uh, final assessment of the course. You know, covering the ball ring uh, theory, written and practical, got around about ninety four percent, something like that.
0: And that was one of the first courses in this special weapons and operations group.
1: Uh, as a tactical team instructor. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I taught. Uh, I taught uh, all the tactical teams.
0: would have been a great experience
1: for you. Mm, so we, you know, most most of it was, uh, you know, weapons and tactics and things like that. Uh, very little uh, unarmed type fighting, you know.
0: When did you first start teaching martial
1: arts? So I, um, I sort of started teaching, I guess, around about 1978, you know, like like little study group type thing, not, not a dojo or such, uh, uh, because I didn't get my uh, inverted commas black belt made until 1980 uh, through the ASJJ. And then uh, in 1989, uh, at that same time I was training with Ikiuchi sensei and, and in 1989 he, uh, he uh, graded me to the third arm. Uh, and it was the same time, actually, uh, 1989, January 89, when he introduced me to uh, Shimazu-sensei. So, I guess I've been um, teaching since about 1980. And um, uh, when I joined the Yagyu Shingon I, obviously I wasn't allowed to teach, but I could uh, uh, run a little uh, kekokai, like a study group. Right. Uh, and that was in uh, 1994. And then. Um, I got uh, permission to uh, uh, to teach and open my dojo in 1998. As a matter of fact, since they came to Australia uh, in 1998 and um, opened my dojo for me.
0: So you first made the connection with Japan at around about the same time I did, back in around 1988.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep, I was in Japan in 1988, yep.
0: What was the time like for you and how has the relationship with your Japanese teacher influenced your outlook on martial arts?
1: Um, oh, well, it was always my dream to uh, to get to Japan. And, um, uh, yeah, it was a great culture shock, you know. And um, fortunately, you know, uh, I'd been with Ikiuchi Sensei through, uh, like, uh, about nine years by this time, so I had an, an idea, an understanding of,
0: the idiosyncrasies. You know, sorry? The idiosyncrasies.
1: Yeah, you know, so, yeah, and, you know, the longer I hung out with the Japanese, the more I understood them and, uh, you know. Uh, um,
0: it hasn't been an easy part for you, though. Bill no. By no means, has it?
1: No, no, it hasn't, you know.
0: Um, every step of the way.
1: Yeah, it's um I I think of it as distance education.
0: <laughs> yeah I no. think the only way to get the respect of the Japanese the traditional Japanese teacher is to keep keep showing
1: up. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um uh, uh that's what I did. You know, I, I showed an interest in not just their martial art, but uh, you know, their culture and their, their ways and things like that and uh yeah, you know, and mind you, I tripped over a few times there. You know, got my got my backside kicked a few times for uh, you know doing the wrong thing, but I certainly learned from it. Yeah, yeah, you do. And uh, yeah, no, they're they're interesting people. How's your relationship with Shimazu Sensei now? Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Uh, I've always had a good relationship with uh, Shimazu Sensei. Uh, like I said, mate, he's kicked my backside a few times over the years, but uh, uh, sometimes deservingly, sometimes not. But I, I don't know if he was testing me or what, but, uh, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we get along very well together.
0: And do you um, do you now teach the Yagu?
1: Yeah, I've got a teaching licence from Shimoza Sensei and uh, uh, I've been teaching it here in Australia for since well, I've been authorised to run a dojo since 1998. Um, I don't, I don't uh, issue any uh, licences to my students. That's all done by sensei. We'll take my students to Japan for that, and um, uh, my son also. Uh, has uh, a teaching license from shimizu Sensei as well, so which is really good. So that uh, helps me a lot, especially as I'm getting older.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, the old the old relationships with teachers in Japan. Um, I remember sharing part of my journey with you when we met up one morning, one early one Saturday morning in Tokyo. And <laughs> we headed out west to Shincoywa and. Uh, I was surprised I was doing my showdown test on that day, my black belt test, and you. Uh, I had the honour of you sitting through that with me.
1: That was a very memorable memorable day for me, Andy, uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you two reasons for that. So, uh, so yes, we, we got in touch with each other when we were in Japan there and uh, arranged to meet at uh, one of the uh, railway stations, I think.
0: That's right.
1: And uh, if you recall, it was around the time of the... Um, the sarin gas uh, assaults. Right. Do you recall that? I do, yes. So anyway, I think, if memory serves me correctly, I, uh, I got to the railway station to meet you quite early. So I, uh, so I was sitting at the railway station out in the front there and uh, these two guys kept on looking at me. And this went on for quite some time, at least half an hour, and... Uh, Anyway, we were eyeballing each other, these two fellas and myself and I was starting to get a little bit wound up and uh, I was giving them the evil eye and and eventually they they walked up to me and uh, they flashed their badges. They were two plainclothes coppers. It was quite funny and I had my badge on me too and I flashed my badge and, uh, uh, yeah, we became quite pally then. But uh, obviously, they thought I, I was up to no good. Of course, uh, you know, hanging around there, and at that uh, time of that sarin gas attack. So um, that was one of the memories on that day of meeting you, mate. And obviously, the uh, the uh, the great memory of that day is what was watching you uh, being tested for your shodan uh, shodan shinsa at the dojo with Konda Sensei. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. That was uh, that was great, mate. Yeah, I was proud to be there.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, I was proud to have you there, mate, because it's, uh, these little snippets into the Japanese culture and their uh, their world are um, a bonus for us all if we get the chance, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. I can just recall that dojo rattling, mate, every time you hit the ground.
0: Yeah, and then the half an hour took me to stand up between each akemi. Uh,
1: there was, uh, I think you did 100, didn't you? Yeah,
0: 130 all up.
1: Ah, oh, geez, yeah. I remember the last slot with Condo uh, Sensei taking hold of you and uh, and tossing you, mate. I thought you were going to go through the floor.
0: Yeah, good memories, mate. Good <laughs> I um, I still really, although I don't have a connection with Condo Sense anymore, I still really, really respect him and respect what he's done and uh, mm. respect the, the the overall journey that I was I was on at that time and the, the amount of influence it's had on my life since. It's just
1: just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. In our
0: retirement Phil,
1: how do you spend your day? Oh, jeez, mate, well, I retired on the 18th of December 2014 at the age of 61, so uh, uh, I found uh, working the uh, the truck or the war wagon, as we call it sometimes in the police force, in your late 50s and uh, early 60s, you know, wasn't healthy for me anyway, so Basically, hung up a gun, and uh, uh, I have a full-time dojo here at uh, Gunadhar, in uh, at the back of my home, and uh, where I teach my students uh, Yogi Shingonu. And uh, we also have a uh, study group for um, go through the gunnery School. So I do a lot of uh, I write a lot about Yogi Shingonu and the Koru take a lot of notes and uh, outside outside my martial arts, well, I, I do a lot of hunting, uh, you know, including camping, of course. And as I said earlier, my son, John, uh, now has his Yagyu uh, Shingonu teaching licence from uh, Shimizu Sensei. He teaches uh, quite a lot for me as well, especially in my absence, if I'm away doing a seminar or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's um, very convenient and handy.
0: So, camping. I, I believe that you go off the grid for a short amounts of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I like uh, I like my solitude, and um, yeah, I love heading out. Uh, you know, hunting and camping. Uh, I had a great old companion. with my hunting dog, Old Digger. But, uh, he uh, he's passed away, and he was great, always great company for me when I was out there, uh, especially if we rented into a fairly big moor or something like that, you know mm. That's incredible. but uh, yeah um, but now i don't I don't have a hunting dog anymore, uh, but I do carry a an emergency beacon with me now, just in case something goes wrong so that's my backup now. off the grid, how far out do you go? I say again? Let me say off the grid,
0: how far out do you go?
1: Oh, well, I'll go as far as uh, Central Australia. <laughs> wow. You know, like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go local, you know, like I do a lot of hunting locally in, around uh, the Gunnedah district. You know, we've got some great hunting uh, out here. and um, um, But, you know, yeah, I do go into uh, central Australia and through the deserts and all that sort of stuff. And
0: hmm. I just lastly, Phil, on your teaching, um, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, is it best just to approach you to your Facebook page?
1: Yeah, uh, I have a... Um, we have a public uh, uh, Facebook page called... Uh, hang on, let me... Just check here, mate. Here we go. Yagyu Shinganru. Here it is. Yagyu Shinganru Heihojutsu.
0: I'll leave the link on uh, your your bio so that if anyone wants to approach you directly for seminars or workshops or or teaching, they've got your details, mate.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Yeah.
0: You're a real warrior, Phil, and you've been an absolute icon and a, a master for me to to respect and to look up to my entire martial arts career.
1: Did you say oh, I was a warrior or a warrior? A warrior. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many warriors out there, Andy. <laughs> but... yeah, they were all warriors, mate. Yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I, I don't worry about anything. At least I don't think I do. But uh, good. Um, yeah, I've. Uh, you're you're a true
0: modern day warrior that that's worked the front line of testing themselves time and time again with their with their techniques, and um, you're a master of the gun. And now you're you're teaching the gunnery. Are you?
1: Yeah, teaching the classical gunnery. Uh, well, you know, I run a a study group with uh, Andrew Melito, Sensei, so, and. Um, uh, He's in Sydney, of course, and I'm out here, um, and we both train in Japan in the gunnery school under Shimazu Sensei and uh, and Uchi Sensei. Um,
0: it must be one of the only one of his kind outside of Japan.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. Go to, yeah, it's the only gunnery school taught outside Japan. Yep. So yeah, and it's uh, it's very interesting art.
0: Very interesting, yeah, very interesting. The whole um, use of guns is something that you don't need to associate with Japanese warrior, with the, with the samurai warrior.
1: No, they they always think of the sword, I think, uh, you know, and it was just basically a secondary weapon of the samurai on the battlefield, wasn't it, you know? Like uh, the guns and the arrows and the spears were, were used a lot. Yeah, and they, they're fortunate enough the Japanese like so
0: many – other countries didn't manage to retain a lot of their ancient ways. Um, yeah, as 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 each one of these old masters has, yes, and died, their art has died out with them. So you you've got a real obligation to ensure that the survival of the the argue it remains. And I think that's great. Your son is on board with that.
1: Yeah. Look, um, I didn't I didn't force him uh, or push him, Andy. Uh, he. Um, he was 14 when he was – he started training Shingunri when he was 10 and he was 14 when uh, I think uh, Shimoza Sensei initiated him. And then uh, then he went away for a few years uh, discovering girls and skateboards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was told by my wife to leave, leave him be. Otherwise, he'll dig his heels in and you won't see him again. She was right, you know, uh, I left him be and he came back into his own accord, larger than life and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's nice to watch in the dojo. Oh, that must be
0: so satisfying for you.
1: Mm. How's Thomas?
0: Oh, he's great. He's great. He's still studying in the last couple of years of his law degree and uh, he still t- sort of ticks away some training and, um yeah, he's doing really, really
1: well. And really happy, and uh, we've got a great relationship. Yeah, that's nice. Still got that nice photograph of me holding him when he was only about three weeks old. Yeah, I
0: remember. I remember we took him to, to visit you, and uh, you yeah. and Happy Brown showed him the gun rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh,
1: yeah, that was uh, that was a good weekend, that Andy.
0: Great weekend. We, there's not enough of that going on now, mate.
1: No, no
0: great to chat with you, Phil. It's been an absolute honour for me to to connect with you this morning. I'm sure that a lot of our uh, listeners will get a lot out of this interview.
1: Uh, thanks, Andy. It's been great to talk to you, mate. And uh, uh, next time I get down to the big smoke there, mate, I, I will look you up. Yeah, look forward to it, Phil. All right, my friend. Thanks, mate. You take care, mate. Bye-bye.
0: As you are a regular listener to my Stand Call podcast show, I want to tell you about an awesome discount on my Stand Tall book. Just go to www.northstarmartialarts.com.au forward slash shop forward slash stand tall and put Stand Tall one word lowercase in the coupon field and you will only pay twenty dollars.